The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. Showtime! Welcome to the show. As I drove to the studio tonight, there's a sinister-looking storm edging its way towards us from across Lake Ontario. So it's the perfect night to settle in your most comfy chair, kick your feet up, get the coffee going, get the tea going, or a beverage of choice. Take this time for yourself. You have earned it. Folks, there seems to be a new awareness on reports of UFOs, aliens, and extraterrestrial phenomena in general. Our guest tonight is Stephen Bassett, and he has been well aware of this rise for many, many years. You see, Stephen Bassett is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, PRG, which was founded in 1996 specifically to put an end to the U.S. self-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial Related phenomena, Stephen Bassett remains one of the foremost global ambassadors for the release of all documents and information related to the extraterrestrial phenomena. So, now, a little bit of history and the important work Stephen and the Paradigm Research Group has been doing. In 2013, PRG produced a citizen hearing on disclosure at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., since 2014, PRG has been conducting several political initiatives in Washington, D.C. One is seeking the first hearings on Capitol Hill since 1968, folks, regarding the extraterrestrial presence issue. Another sought to force the ET issue into the 2016 presidential campaign. Few know just how close we came to disclosure in 2016. Now, we've got a new president. And a new set of challenges. Ending the truth embargo is more imperative than ever. Tonight, we're going to look at the options and what lies ahead with PRG Stephen Bassett. Stephen, welcome back to the show, my friend. Let's it start is great. Off. Great to be with you. Thank you. Let's start off where we left off with Hillary. Just how close do you feel we were to disclosure? Very few people on the planet know how close we came. Um, this was primarily an internal situation involving media, Paradigm Research Group, um, and I'm pretty aware how close we came, but uh, generally the public is not. Um, uh, the, the essence of this initiative is at a web page, and that web page is the uh, political media coverage of the Clinton ET connection. If you go to paradigmresearchgroup.org, the main site for me, or Google my name, comes right up, Stephen Bassett. And then on the uh, lower left, you click on the ET media coverage of the Clinton ET Connection. You will see the scope of that initiative, how vast it was. Essentially, what PRG was able to do, using the citizen hearing on disclosure as the platform, the mock congressional hearing we held at the National Press Club in 2013, when Secretary Clinton begins her second run at the presidency, uh, literally two years out, this is like around November, October, actually even earlier than that, campaigns in the United States now run for years, cost billions, it's absurd. Uh, PRG this time was able to con con uh, convince the media to address the connection between the Clintons and the extraterrestrial issue, which goes all the way back to 1993, 1996, and the Rockefeller Initiative that took place at that time. 
As a result, for the first time ever, the Rockefeller Initiative and the engagement of the Clintons with the ET issue under Lawrence Rockefeller's at Lawrence Rockefeller's behest got into print. Uh, the article started in late November. In early January, I believe it was Billy Cox of the uh, um, the uh, Sarasota Herald Tribune that uh, mentioned the term Rockefeller Initiative for the first time. And from that point on, all the way through the end of the election, uh, the election in November of uh, last year, PRG was able to generate over 500 English language print articles on the Clinton ET connection. And of course, all of most of these are not only in print, but also on the web. And the web articles at the various papers included links to the documents, to interviews, and other supportive materials. A vast array of information. 500, the most unprecedented political coverage of the extraterrestrial issue ever in history. In fact, more in that two years than in the previous 68 years. As a result of the pressure of these articles who are appearing in papers like the Washington Post, Washington Times, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, the Times of London, New Yorker, New York Observer, and on and on and on, reporters were contacting the Clintons, uh, particularly Hillary's campaign as well as John Podesta, campaign manager, wanting to know what's going on with this. What, what about it? They – were not in a position and not willing to respond. They knew that if they got into an extensive back and forth, that the thing was going to come out, and ultimately they were afraid it could cost them the election. And so they stonewalled everybody, meaning they were telling the New York they, – they were not even responding to the New York Times questions, which you don't do, okay, meaning no comment, nothing. They don't call them up and say no comment. They don't even respond, and so they were under tremendous pressure, and because of that pressure – on 12 occasions, either Secretary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, who was part of the Clinton team, and John Podesta actually spoke publicly on this issue in controlled places, in controlled environments. Five, four interviews on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Ellen DeGeneres' show, interviews to Jake Tapper, uh, KLS-TV in Las Vegas, uh, and of course a very important interview to the Conway Daily Sun where she made some extraordinary statements. These are controlled, limited releases that they were doing to keep the pressure off without allowing the story to break wide open. The game that Podesta was playing was if we can just keep things at bay and get to the White House, then we can do what we want to do, which I believe was to disclose. They wanted to be the disclosure uh, uh, president. Uh, meaning Hillary to close the president. Uh, but they didn't want to take the risk of the thing blowing out ahead of the election because they still felt that if it really got out, somehow the ET issue would cost her the election. I publicly stated in a conference in August, and I'm, I'm going to put that – August of 2014, and I'm going to put that uh, up on, on, on the web pretty soon. It just needs to be edited a little bit. I stated she would not win the election if she did not engage the ET issue in full appropriately, right? And she didn't, and she did not win, right? They, the reason that they, they were, as of June the 2nd of 2016 is when they stopped talking about it. They took no more interviews. They said nothing. And the reason they did that, and this is a huge uh, uh, mark, black mark on American media, is that she had to go through 19 Debates and town halls, democratic debates and town halls. All right, all of these debates and town halls in America are controlled by the television news. These television news hosts are the moderators of these debates and make up the questions. They have total control. And so she's going into these debates knowing that at any time one of these uh, uh, moderators could be could be CNN, could be George Stephanopoulos, could be whoever could ask her a direct question about the Rockefeller Initiative, and of course she wouldn't have the option of making no comment. But they never did in spite of 500-plus articles. That's just English language. All over the United States in major papers, not a single television host, moderator of the debates and forums, of which there were 30, counting the Republicans, ever ask a single question about the ET connection. So what's your take on that? Why would they do that? Why would they omit those very pertinent questions. Was that to try and get Hillary elected? Was Hillary worried that she might come off as the quack candidate? 
No, no. It, remember, it wasn't her decision. It was the television host's decision. And the reason is, is that exactly United, that's exactly in, what I'm saying. Was it part of a propaganda thing that perhaps the press wanted her to be elected over Donald Trump? Was it something along those lines? Well, not Fox News didn't ask any questions either. Okay. Good point. No, the reason is this: in the United States, the television news operations are more compromised than the print operations. The print media have more latitude. Under the truth embargo on the ET presence, and in general, the six news major news operations, which is the network news uh, entities, ABC, NBC, CBS, and the three major cable news entities, CNN, MSNBC, and, uh, and Fox News, they are more compromised. One of the reasons is the networks are under FCC uh, regulations, all right? The three cable networks have very low viewership, and they're always worried to death about losing viewers. All right. Plus, they they are much more propagandized, right? Um, and as a result, and plus, and this is the worst part. Most people don't know this, but I've researched it. All of the hosts of these news shows are millionaires. Their salaries range between one and twenty million dollars a year. With a lot of them running in the range of five to seven million a year. Now you're a news host, a George Stephanopoulos. I think he makes eleven, and you're making eleven million a year, and you're multimillionaire. And now you're, you're going to be doing a debate, and you want to ask a question that could cause a problem or might offend the government. Why take the risk? I'm rich. I don't want to do that. Now some war correspondent making a hundred thousand a year is over in Iraq dodging bullets. That's real journalism. It's no longer television journalists are basically infotainment making huge amounts of money that are not prepared to risk that money to challenge the state. And that is why they didn't do it. That is a massive failing of American journalism at the television level. Now, that's why you're seeing alternative media starting to spread out to try to fill the holes. But there's a lot of misinformation and fake news in that genre. The key highly funded operations, those six television news operations, that's our principal grounding there. That's the anchor. If they fail us, the alternatives are not going to quite be able to make it up. And so that is why they realized we didn't get asked any questions on the debates. And so we're going to be quiet. We've made it. We're going to make it all the way to the White House. Now, we're not going to have to talk about this. We'll talk about it after I'm president. And then I'll disclose and go down in history as one of the most important presidents ever, except she didn't win. And that right. was the problem. But folks, just let me read you this Hillary Clinton quote. During a campaign stop in New Hampshire, the Conway Daily Sun newspaper, which you just alluded to, asked mm -hmm. Clinton whether she thinks Earth is the target of alien visitors. This is her quote. Right in paper, so there's no denying this. This isn't made up. I think we may have been visited already. We don't know for sure. Now, campaign manager John Podesta has made me personally pledge we are going to get the information out one way or another. Now, she's also quoted as saying she would go into those files, UFO files, extraterrestrial files, and hopefully make as much of that public as possible. If there's nothing there, let's tell people there's nothing there. If there is something there, unless it's a threat to national security, makes common sense, folks, I think we ought to share it with the public. That's how close we were. Well, well on th those last uh, comments, you, the first half of those comments was the Conway Daily Sun, where she also said we could set up a task force to investigate Area 51, look at the UFO files. The second quotes come from the Jimmy Kimmel show. All right. Now, but the Conway Daily Sun interview was, no, was December the 30th, 2016, right? almost – well, essentially uh, almost 11 months from the election. That – those statements are unprecedented. No political candidate, party candidate ever in history has said anything like that, right, let alone the front runner for the president. She was leading, she was leading candidate to be president as of December 30, and that's – those statements generated articles all over the world, and so – and, and, and those articles thus generated uh, – uh, made it easier for me to get, get more material out, and so we were charging along all through January, February, March, April, May of uh, 2017. At that point, they were almost ready to capitulate. 
But no major journalist made the decision that they would – well, let me put it this way. A number of journalists tried to get to them, but they were stonewalled. However, there are some journalists in this country with power and influence that if they had demanded to speak to her, she might have been forced to give that interview. But none of them did, right? And so, again, that reflects just how close we were for this thing to blow completely out. And ultimately, well, Clintons could at any time said, uh, called up someone like Maureen Dowd and said, uh, we want to talk to you. And they would have come over, and she could have given Noreen Dowd an interview and gone into the depth in depth on the Rockefeller Initiative and the reasons why Podesta has been speaking out since 2002 and blown the whole thing sky high. But she did not have the political courage to do it. She made the mistake of thinking that by prevaricating and holding off on this issue would be the better course of action, and she miscalculated hugely. Why? Because it is her unwillingness to be authentic, to be direct, to go deep into issues and tell the truth at length that is her number one failing, her number one fault, the one thing that was costing her the most uh, uh, votes. And so by playing the ET issue the same way, she played right into her major weakness, and that just reinforced in the minds of tens of millions of people who, by the way, Half of the American people believe that the phenomena is real, and so there she is playing games with it. That's a lot of votes. That's about 125 million of adults. So she blew it. She made a huge mistake, and I sent Podesta email, and I basically said, you had the chance to make history, and you completely walked away from it, and it's disgusting. Right? Why and what she... did he end I was going to ask you, why would she adopt this in, in, in the first place? What was she thinking? What was behind it? Did she think it was going to get her elected? Was this going to be a main platform no. for her? They, they didn't want to talk about it at all. The, the Rockefeller Initiative went from 93 to 96, and none of the people involved in it, including her and Podesta and her husband and George Stephanopoulos. A lot of people don't know he was there at the time, and he's been a journalist for 20 years and never said a thing about it. What? Right? The chiefs of staff, McClarty and and uh, and um, Leon Panetta, and Bill Richardson was tight with the administration. None of them ever said a word about it. They just wanted it to go away about the Rockefeller Initiative. But John Podesta started speaking to the ET issue after Clinton left office. He started in 2002. So what's going on here? What's going on here is they don't want to say anything that would attract a lot of attention and possibly create this thing to blow out because guess what? As of 2001, the Democrats weren't in the White House, all right? But they were laying the groundwork. They were showing that they actually were interested in the issue. Podesta was the – they were playing a game, a chess game. But they did not want to confront the issue full out because they felt that would be a risk, right? That they couldn't – they didn't want to take that risk. In other words, they didn't want to tell the truth to the American people. When, when, it's be, in America, it has now become the case that politicians believe that taking, telling the truth is a risk to their career as opposed to lying. This is completely upside down, and as you see American politics slowly blowing apart, collapsing under systemic dysfunction into a chaotic circus, which wouldn't be such a big deal if it wasn't for the 10,000 nuclear weapons that we have, and the fact that we have the largest economy in the world, and we screw up, we get the flu, other people get the bubonic plague… If it wasn't for that, it would just be a funny joke, which is what it is. You know, we, we, we have an endless stream of satirical comedy about our politics in America right now. It's virtually dominating. Why? Simply because we have great comics? No, because we have an utterly comical political reality, and that is not good. She didn't understand that. She didn't, she didn't handle it right. She felt that they could slip on through. But people kept coming out and saying the reason that – who didn't know about the work going on with PRG and the media were, were coming out on the internet and saying, oh, she's embracing the ET issue to get the UFO vote. What can I say? What they didn't know is that PRG by mid-2017 had a working source relationship with 37 reporters from mainstream news print operations, including two Pulitzer prize winners who also each got nominated once as well, and they're on a regular source basis. I'm giving them regular information all the time. They didn't know that. They didn't know how much pressure PRG had generated. 
So they said, oh, she's trying to get the UFO vote. Believe me. What she wanted was to be the disclosure president, and trying to go after the UFO vote based on the truth embargoes of realities would have been considered political suicide, but they were wrong. It was, in fact, just the opposite. Stephen, do you think she saw the files? I'll no. tell you why. I want to go back to Jimmy Kimmel. You know, George W. Bush was just on, and I'm going to use his quotes there. Um, Even before Kimmel finished asking the question, Bush immediately replied, maybe if he'd seen the files or not. So when he said maybe on the Jimmy Kimmel show to seeing the files, I thought maybe Hillary is cognizant to the actual files. You don't believe that's the uh, case no, at no. all. You said see the files, right? She was not briefed on this issue. Bush was not briefed on this issue. Obama was not briefed on this issue. And Clinton wasn't briefed on this issue. So what do all you right? think they were privy to? Nothing. Absolutely However, nothing. You don't have to. You don't have to be given a tour of Area 51. You don't have to go meet an alien at some subterranean base in the United States. You know there's an extraterrestrial presence. All you have to do is read the books. Go on the internet. Mm. In in the civilian world, enough information and evidence has been generated from the research, from contactees coming forward, from witnesses, military agency, political witnesses. The ET presence has been proven ten times over. These people have access to books and television. And they're very smart, and so. They know there's an extraterrestrial presence. However, that's not the same thing as having a briefing from the Pentagon on what is in the government files. Every effort to do that has been stonewalled cold since 1962, with the possible exception of Nixon. And so to cast it another way, we're going to get a little more sophisticated here so that people can maybe understand the dynamics of this. We're extraordinarily complex is this. Behind the lead issue, which is the presence of extraterrestrials, the, the presence of ETs, which is, as far as I'm concerned, the most important reality issue in the world today, without question. Behind that massive story is a second major story. What is that story? It's the constitutional breach that emerged out of the truth embargo and, in general, out of the national security state that was constructed starting after World War II. Now, what am I talking about? In 1961, the last speech that Eisenhower gave before uh, JFK took office, he did something extraordinary. He said, beware the undue influence of the military-industrial complex. One of the most important statements any president has ever made in history, and it's been talked about many times, but never really, really understood. He was going to say military congressional complex. He was told politically that was not unwise, and it, and it isn't the military congressional complex. He got it right. It's the military industrial complex. But in fact, now it's the military intelligence industrial complex. Now, what the hell was going on there? First of all, he was a general. He was a five-star general. He was the head of the European operations. He was highly respected. And after World War II, and of course the Korean War as well, the U.S. military was highly regarded. We saved the world from the Axis powers, right? Uh, and of course that's why he was elected. He was a general, a leader. So the military was right on with the American people. And industry? Well, after World War II, American corporations thrived, building on the war effort and everything. American corporations were producing like you'd never imagined generating wealth for the United States. Capitalism reigned supreme. People thought it was fantastic. And yet the last thing that a president says to them is beware the undue influence of the military-industrial complex. What is going on? Simple. Because unlike the people, Eisenhower knew about the ET presence. It's briefed on the ET presence. He knew how much of the military intelligence complex world had been developed since 47 by 61. He realized how huge they were getting, and he knew why. He knew that the military intelligence complex or military industrial complex was going to become vast. It was going to become an empire, literally, which is what I call it, the secret empire. Why? Because Eisenhower was familiar with two very important pieces of information. One was the nuclear threat, which most everybody else was. But of course, he knew it in greater detail. 
There was a nuclear threat with the Soviet Union. We were in a nuclear Cold War, and technically it would require as much money as you could print, right? God knows how big it was going to get, how many weapons were going to be built. Turned out to be 80,000 amongst eight nations, just 80,000 nuclear weapons, enough to destroy the world about 100 times over. So he knew that was going to drive this huge complex. And of course, the espionage, the secrecy, everything that was needed, ah, it's going to be huge. But he also knew about the extraterrestrial presence. And of course, he knew that a truth embargo was underway with that. And we were dealing with that. And that's a pretty big issue. But that was not known to the public, and he was not going to talk about it. And so he knew between the nuclear uh, – the Cold War with the Soviet Union and dealing with understanding the ET presence, this complex was going to become an empire and have enormous influence over the country. Exactly what happened. The warning came absolutely true, probably even more so than he ever imagined. All right. And so one of the aspects that, that developed from this massive complex was a constitutional breach. And what is that breach? It starts around 1962. It gets worse and worse over the ensuing 50-some years. As the military intelligence industrial complex grew and grew, more and more secret programs, what are called uh, SAPs, Special access programs were created under the black budget, meaning uh, if, you, if you're a member of Congress, you, 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 you could know that the program exists, but you couldn't know the details unless you had special access, special clearance, which was very limited. All right, And these things would line up under the black budget, and the Congress would go, hey, fine, fund it, and they'd just fund it. So that grew. But then it became clear – of course, it was already clear in 1950 – that some things had to be even deeper than that. And so they created unacknowledged special access programs, USAPs. What's the difference between a SAP and a USAP? A person high level in, in the Pentagon or even in the White House, the Congress, could run into somebody who's involved in a SAP and say, uh, how is that uh, program going? And the person would say, it's going fine, Senator. Uh, I can't tell you anymore because, as you know, you don't have the clearance for that particular program. No problem. USAP, you encounter the person. You've heard a rumor right, that there's a program called something or another, and you go up to the person. You say, what's this with that program you know, named whatever? And the person would say, there is no such program, Senator, even though that person is the chairman of the program. You can't acknowledge it to anybody. All right. Meaning you have to have super privilege. It's not even clear who has the privilege. Obviously, the people involved have it. And what they realized was, boy, it's really great to operate that way. If you're a USAP, if you're completely out from under any oversight, you don't have a problem. You don't have to be worried by the press, the White House, the Congress. And so they they started pulling these USAPs away from all oversight. Intelligence Committee, Armed Services Committee, you don't even know about it, right? You don't know about it. You can't oversee it, can you? And then they pulled it out from under the White House. And over that period, X number of programs involving a very serious stuff was taken out from under the oversight of anybody but those working on it within the military intelligence complex. That is a full constitutional breach. It is illegal. It is treason. Now, they don't see it that way. They see it as a, a national defense thing. In, in the interest of national security, it's best that these politicians who come and go and appear to be insane, right? And even the secretary of defense, who's a political appointee, sec and the CIA director, political appointee, it's best that they don't know about these things because they could cause a problem. They could leak. And so they yanked them out from under them. But there's a problem. The military-industrial intelligence complex is not a fourth branch of government. There are only three branches of government. They, in fact, are part of the executive branch, and their boss is the president, the commander-in-chief of all military intelligence operations and any related classified civilian contract operations. The boss, meaning the president, has the right to see 
any document he or she wants, to go to any facility he or she wants, to go to any laboratory, to ask any question, period. And they have said, oh, no, you don't. And that is a full-out constitutional breach. Now, that is the major problem here because whether it was Jimmy Carter or whether it was Bill Clinton or whether it was Barack Obama, if they – when they confronted the ET issue, which they did, meaning uh, can somebody help me here, they hit a brick wall. Meaning, you know, if the person knew him a little bit, it would be, I'm sorry, you know, Bill, you just don't have a need to know. We can't tell you. If they didn't know him, they would say there's nothing here. Or they give them the run. They realize we just hit a brick wall. And if you're the president, you're smart enough to know that brick wall is a constitutional breach. And so if you want to announce the extraterrestrial presence of the American people, which is an easy thing to do, you just go in front of a camera and say there's extraterrestrials here. Couldn't tell you before. We're telling you now. More to come later. If you want to do that, that's it. But in order to do that, you have got to confront that constitutional breach. You can't go in front of the American people and say, well, there's an extraterrestrial presence here. I wish I could tell you more, but I can't get any information from my Pentagon. And they will say, what? And so in order to get that information, they have to confront that constitutional breach. And when the president confronts that breach, it's going to come out public. We know for sure that those were going on. The CIA had its own program to take out Castro during the Kennedy administration. JFK knew nothing about it. Now, I want to go back to Eisenhower. Rumors have abound for years that Eisenhower had direct contact with ETs. I'm thinking if that took place, they probably would have documented it, at least with photographs, and that could be part of the content of those files. Oh, look, the amount of material that is in the deep classified files in the subject will fill up rooms. Speculate right. what's in it for us? Everything. Okay. Uh, con you know, crash vehicles, reverse technology work, right. gun camera footage, radar reports, uh, all the intelligence they've done, all the truth embargo work. Everything is in there. It's huge. I mean, you, you see what the public has amassed, 5,000 books, hundreds of documentaries, right? And we don't have any money. Right? We're doing all this with chump change. The government has vast resources. They have huge files, but they're the highest classified files in the, in, in the United States. And the people that are privy to that stuff, they want to pull in Edward Snowden, they won't make it to Hong Kong. What concerns me, Stephen, and, you know, I always like to draw JFK parallels here because JFK's files are supposed to be released 2017 in October. I'm concerned that there's not going to be much there. If there's any smoking guns there, I suspect those files have already been destroyed. Do you think we could expect the same type of scenario if the UFO files are ever released, the actual smoking gun files would have been destroyed? And... To yeah. extend on that question, how do we discern misinformation, disinformation from the authentic files? That's the challenge well, to me once they're released. Authentic files. Look, um, well, you've asked several things here. Uh, first of all, the government will only release what it wants to release. The FOIA is a bit of a ruse. All right, You can file FOIs until hell freezes over. You get some information, and every once in a while you get an accident. But overall, uh, if they don't want to release it, they're not going to release it. Right? So it gives the impression that you have access to this, this deep stuff that will really reveal stuff. No, you don't. Right? So that's an illusion. Um, in terms of destroying files, well, it's always been my concern that some stuff is destroyed because we're talking about the highest level of history. Okay. Uh, I mean it, – it, it, you know, people get upset because they, the Taliban blew up some ancient statues in Iraq. Okay, Destroying the files and evidence that's in the government's hand regarding the history of the ET connection would be far worse than that. I don't think they're that stupid. Uh, they're not going to do that. Um, they're, they're going to hold on as long as they can. When eventually disclosure comes, they will have to start releasing material. And as far as disinformation from misinformation, look – the government has been in the misinformation propaganda business for my entire lifetime. 
So obviously, they're going to have to take go to some lengths to make to make make clear that what we're getting is the real deal. And all I can say is is that uh, if, if when the collective intellig when the collective intellectual power of the human race is actually focused on this issue with full intent, which disclosure would create, that there is so much intellectual power available to bring to bear that trying to pop out some stupid ass misinformation uh, based on this will not hold up for very long, a couple of days tops. Uh, uh, misinformation and disinformation works when you're dealing with people with limited resources and limited information themselves, uh, and they buy into it. But when you're dealing with hard-ass intellectuals that have the ability to discern, they will quickly be able to figure out if you have told the truth or not. So I'm not too worried about that, all right? Um, but the files are there. They're un oh, not just the files. It's it's research laboratories, underground facilities, crashed vehicles, dead alien bodies. Okay, there's a lot of stuff here. When that finally comes out, I, I'm fairly confident, as it was revealed, it'll be pretty evident that this is the real deal, and hopefully we have left the misinformation, disinformation, truth embargo behind. Is mankind waiting for the U.S. to take the lead on this? Because I'm sure Canada. I'm sure CSIS is sitting on their own file. CSIS, folks, is uh, Canada's version of the CIA, if you will. Right. Um, the Russians, um, they're no longer called the KGB. They're called the uh, SGB. FSB. Thank FSB. you very much, my friend. They must be sitting on their own files. Are they waiting for yeah. the United States to take the lead? Because I'm sure if the United States has been contacted in some source... I'm sure the USSR has been as well. I mean, you're looking at the two big superpowers with their missiles aimed at each other. Uh, well, we took the lead. Uh, they're not waiting for it. We took the lead long ago. And we have we are the lead on this with respect to all of the West and our allies. All right. That that shouldn't surprise anybody. If 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 in 1950, 51, 52, uh, with the Cold War starting to get underway and the nuclear weapons being built in the U.S. and the Soviet Union with an iron curtain across Europe, and Soviet Unions take over significant forces of Eastern Europe, and the only nation with the remotest uh, resources and power to confront the Soviet threat was the United States. And the United States goes to one of its allies, whether it's Britain or uh, or or, or any in, in Europe, by the way, still recovering from World War II, and says, this is, this is our baby. We're going to lead on this. You stay out of it. You don't, you don't discuss it. You, you classify it. You, you wait for us to deal with this. They're going to go, yes, absolutely, no problem. Of course, whatever you want. And then as the Cold War develops and the number of nuclear weapons grows and grows and grows, and we have two or three near nuclear wars – the idea that they're going to confront the United States and go, hey, we're going to screw you on this. We're going to we're going to preempt you on this. You know, screw you. We're going to tell the truth. And, and they're going to say, yeah, fine. We'll make sure the first nuclear bombs fall on your country. So, no, we were not going to be challenged. However, there were two other big nations that could have done it any time. Communist China, which is still communist China, and the Soviet Union. They did not have an agreement with us about that. So why didn't they? Well, to our if you're running the truth embargo in the United States, you got lucky in a sense. Why? Because obviously, particularly 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, the communist China and the Soviet Union were extreme authoritarian ideological states based upon complete devotion and fealty to the party. You don't dissent. You don't fool around, right? You worship Mao and you worship Marx, Lenin, whatever. Well, if you're an ideological control state, the last thing you want to do is go to your people and say, guess what? The galaxy is filled with advanced civilizations, more technology than us, and they're visiting us right now, okay? And people are going, wow, that's really interesting. Well, I could care less about Marx anymore. I want to know about the great universe. They can't control their population. It is the last thing they could do. And so they have withheld because it's a, that kind of information is a direct threat to the level of control they need to maintain. Now, since the end of the Cold War, China has gone through some economic reforms, though it has maintained substantial political uh, uh, control. And recently, Xi Jinping, for whatever, unfortunately, decided to become more authoritarian.
And so they're even getting more controlling in terms of political ideology in, in China. So nothing there. On the other hand, in, in, the, in the Soviet Union becomes Russia, dismantles its uh, republics, uh, and goes capitalist, right? Um, and goes through a lot of turmoil, but slowly starts to emerge as a non-communist country. The United States, which is capable of most stupid policies, it's amazing how stupid we can be given that we you know, have such a wonderful history in a lot of ways. We have great universities. We decided that let's see how much we can punish Russia, right? Let's see how much harder we can make it for them to move out of that and into transition. And so we have literally contributed to a new Cold War in the works by just ridiculous, stupid, asinine policies. In any event, so Russia is now capitalist. Russia is emerging. Russia wants to become a, a major power again, even without the other 14 republics. Russia could have disclosed at any time. Now, in the early days, it was so much turmoil. You had the Yeltsin period. You had a lot of chaos. You had an attempted coup and so forth. So you can understand why in the uh, 90s, right, not much was happening. But as Putin takes over and starts to solidify, uh, the option for Putin to disclose is there. And one of the great questions that I would love to see answered in my lifetime, and the first question if I ever met with Vladimir Putin, which probably it's not going to happen, would be, Vlad, why did you hold off? Why did you not disclose? Assuming the U.S. goes first, right? Well, I'm I would thinking love there must be a mutual why. benefit. That's the only thing I can come up with. Otherwise, I think we would have seen disclosure to embarrass the United States at this point. Uh, well, again, he can still do it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, think, wants to. I, I think some of it is still – he's a bit of an authoritarian, mm. and he probably still viewed the, the full-out disclosure as reducing the authoritarian uh, influences of, of, uh, of him and his party in Russia. There's a little bit of that. Um, it's also possible that the U.S. – is way ahead of the rest of the world in reverse-engineered ET tech, that we have done far more than anybody else. And if that's true, and you're a nation that decides to, to pull the rug out from under the U.S. and go first and disclose, you might be worried you're risking access to that technology. Uh, again, I don't have the answers. However, I never cease to use a, a venue like this to remind my esteemed White House uh, and those that run it and advise it, that the ETs are here, and Vladimir Putin could announce it at any time. And if Vladimir Putin becomes the disclosure president, the first head of state to announce it, and it gets all of that glory, right, and goes down in history, the great truth teller who triggers the greatest paradigm in history, and you're sitting there with nothing but 70 years of embargo, you've got to explain, egg on your face, and none of the legacy. It's a geopolitical disaster. I completely agree with you. I, I think had Hillary been elected, I think we would have had disclosure. Perhaps not the first year, but I think it would have been forthcoming with a question. Oh, it, it would have been a w right away. Let me tell you something. If she had won the election, there were scores of reporters ready to descend upon her. And as the elected president – I mean she's already president now, right? So she doesn't have the risk, and here they all are. She's going to start talking. Now, the only reason she might have tried to hold off a little bit and, and hold him at bay is that if she talked too much too soon, Obama would have been the disclosure president. It would have blown out under his term. But nevertheless, she'd have been under pressure throughout the entire transition. And then when she actually enters the White House, it wouldn't be Jimmy Kimmel asking her about the ET issue, right? It would be every friggin' editor of every major paper in the country. What were you talking about? We would have had disclosure by now. Donald that Trump. is how close we came. Donald Trump. Are we starting about, over from the beginning? It seems to me Donald Trump only does something – in his policies when there's a direct benefit to him how i would think the challenge for prg and the rest of the population is to convince donald trump that this is in his best benefits to make full disclosure 
and he would come out shining and being the hero yeah. once again. It seems to me he yeah. has the type of personality that would want that to happen under his watch, if you will. This is actually a very reasonable assessment, right? Uh, uh, certainly it's uh, appropriate. A uh, man with an ego of that size to become the, the most, uh, well, to, to, to attain one of the greatest political legacies in history. Except there's a couple of problems. First of all, the election itself and the aftermath, we are in the middle of complete chaos in the United States. Okay. The reason Canada knows this is because, and I actually predicted this when I was visiting Canada doing a speaking tour about a year ago, uh, a lot of Americans are fleeing and going to Canada particularly immigrants that are concerned about being uh, deported here, going to Canada. So you now have a border problem developing. So that tells you right away, things are getting kind of chaotic down here. His administration is in unbelievable turmoil. All right? And so the idea that anything could coalesce sufficiently that this president could make a decision uh, of this magnitude is minimal, not to mention the fact Remember the constitutional breach? In order to do this, you have to confront the Pentagon. The, he has already alienated a good portion of the entire military intelligence complex. He's the last person they want to cooperate with. That doesn't mean he couldn't pull it off, right? I mean, what you do if you're president, though it creates a, it creates a massive chaotic situation in the country. However, we already have that, right? is that you call in the four chiefs of staff of the armed services, the top four or five people at CIA, the top four or five people at the Pentagon, all of which are with, that, with maybe one or two obsessions are, are pointees. You bring them all in the Oval Office. It'll, they'll fit. You sit there in your desk and you say, here's the deal. You're going to bring to me a complete and extensive briefing of everything that we have and have dealt with on the extraterrestrial issue. And you will do it within three days. If you don't, I'm firing you. In fact, I'll fire all of you, and I'll replace you with your people, and I'll ask them the same question. And if they don't bring that information, I'm going to fire them. So make up your mind, okay? And one person will say, you know, Mr. President, I don't know anything. You're fired. Mr. President, that information is not on a need-to-know basis for you. You're fired. Chaos would reign, but he would get that information. Now, that's a destructive way to go about things. I don't want to see it done that way, but that's the way he could do it. But – and there's another problem, uh, and PRG has got to think in these terms. I don't think that the president will be in office within six months. I don't think he'll last – see, six months from January, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. I don't think he'll be in office by July the 20th. Uh, and so we're going to be dealing with another White House. It'll either be Ryan Pence or Pence Ryan or Ryan and whoever else. Stephen, what we have what is makes a, you say that? Are you privy to something that we're unaware of, that you think you'll be out of office by then? I'm just paying attention. When you look at the situation that's going on and how it's unfolding, mm. uh, uh, I don't think he has more than uh, to July the 20th. And believe me, every single day more people are arriving at this conclusion. If you do a search, you can start reading the articles from high-level pundits that are starting to predict this. And very soon it will be a flood. All right? This, this situation cannot stand. It, I'm, I'm making a nonpartisan statement here. Everybody accused me of trying to get Hillary Clinton elected. No. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. The point is, is that she was the core connection to the ET issue and provided the basis to generate a massive media storm, which would have brought about disclosure, either under Clinton or under her, right? But uh, that's why, and in my statement about Trump is not I hate Trump or don't hate Trump. My feelings about him are irrelevant. The point is, is that that's simply what's going on. That's what's going to happen, all right? Should, this presidency you... cannot stand. We've only got a couple of minutes. Through your great efforts, we got that close. Are there new hurdles and new roadblocks being thrown in your way by the administration? Not, not specifically. The, 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 the election, uh, Hillary Clinton's loss was a catastrophe for the disclosure movement at this yeah. point. PRG is regrouping. It's trying to do some funding. I've got a GoFundMe campaign. Uh, on, it's called uh, End the Truth Embargo. It's on GoFundMe.com. Uh, trying to raise a little money to, to continue to be able to function 
Uh, I've got plans to go to Europe. I'm trying to maybe set up some meetings with other nations, uh, maybe some some people there, uh, and do what I can to to establish a basis to get going again okay. uh, down the line. Uh, I, I still think disclosure is possible in 2017, but it will not be quite the way that I envisioned it before. Uh, and I believe while the odds of the U.S. being the lead disclosure nation was about 80 to 90 percent prior to the election, it's now probably 50 percent. And so now it's about 50-50. Another nation will go first. And that is fine with me. All right. Uh, once the other nation goes first, whatever, as long as a major nation, then the rest of the nations will follow, including the United States. And Donald Trump will not be the disclosure president, but he will be the American president in charge when disclosure happens, but not if it comes later in the year, because I don't think he will be here by, by the end of July. Okay, we're going to have to start to wrap up, but I want to thank you for coming on and bringing us up to date about your great work that you're doing. Stephen Bassett's been our guest tonight, folks, www.nightfrightshow.com. There'll be a bunch of links there. Just click on Stephen's picture. That'll take you right to his website, Paradigm Research Group, PRG, where you can just Google him and it'll come right up. Thanks again, Stephen. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. See you all next time. First-person witness accounts. Order yours right now. Nightfrightshow.com.